Welcome to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica, and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend. But on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love people, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll stick around because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Hey friends, welcome to episode 36. Hopefully you enjoyed last week's episode with Les and Laura Clevenger, and I'm looking forward to sharing this episode with you today. Just a quick reminder, if you're enjoying this show and you'd like to support Team Tanderup as we continue making the podcast and prepare to head out as short-term missionaries to Denmark, you can do that through the links in our show notes for Buy Me a Coffee or Aim to Go. Now let's get to today's show. I sat down with Raina Longstreth, affectionately known as Sister Pastor, to the congregation of The Church Today, Tulsa, where she is the worship leader and pastor's wife. We chatted about loneliness, what it might be trying to tell us, how we can combat it, and how important it is to have a close circle of friends where you are safe to share. We laugh a lot, but there's also deep truth to be gleaned in this conversation. I hope it encourages you today. So let's go. Here's my conversation with Raina Longstreth. Sister Pastor, Raina Longstreth, welcome to the podcast. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really excited to chat with you in this forum. You are the pastor's wife of the Church Today Tulsa, which is where my husband and I and our girls attend. We had your husband on the podcast a while back and... We have something important to talk about today, and I'm excited about talking about it because I think it's going to really help a lot of people. But yes, I want you to start off by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about who you are. Well, I have a wonderful family. I grew up in the country on about 10 acres with horses. We rodeoed. We made mud pies. (laughs) (laughs) I graduated in 1997 and I got a scholarship to go to IBC, which is Indiana Bible College. And um, I have a associate's degree in religious education with the music emphasis. I actually went there for music. And once I got there, I realized it was just a little bit more in depth than what I'd ever experienced. So I was like, I think I'm going to just minor in that and go to the classes. And (laughs) that way I didn't have the pressure of The grade, I was able to go to classes and didn't have to make the grade, but I was still able to learn at my own pace because believe it or not, back in the day, in the 90s, I've always been an extrovert, but I couldn't hardly handle going up and playing the piano and singing in front of people. And we had to do that in class. You had to go up and play this and sight read and all this stuff. And I was mortified to do that (laughs) in front of people. And so I was like, I can't, I couldn't deal with it. So I was like, I'm going to take these classes but I'm not going to get a grade. So therefore I didn't have to go up and participate. I could just hide. <laughs> but that's what I did. And I would have loved to finish the other two years, but I, I ran out of money and I also got engaged in 19, <laughs> uh, let's see, 99. And we got married in 99. I met my husband, Baron. So um, the rest is history. 
yeah, here we are. Here we are. I have three sons. Preston, he's 19. He is at Urshan is in his uh, sophomore year. And I've got a 15-year-old who's a sophomore in high school, Landon. And I have an eight-year-old, Jude, who is in third grade. And I've been homeschooling all the kids since Preston was a freshman in high school. And I'm continuing to do that with the other two boys, even though Preston is obviously away. And I love it. I honestly never thought that I would ever be a homeschool mom. I felt sorry for homeschool moms. <laughs> in the past. <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness, I feel so sad for them. Like they gotta be completely just, you know, tired all the time. And and I was. I was at first, but it was the best thing I've ever done. And I love having them here. And I love every moment I get to share with them. And we have aggravated moments and we have, you know, where I just need to walk away and that kind of stuff or they need to walk away. <laughs> but I, I love it. I really do love it. And it came in handy, you know, last year with the pandemic and everything. Oh, yeah. So we didn't have to scurry around and figure out what we were going to do. We were You're already doing it. We were already doing it. <laughs> and um, 14 years ago, we started the church today. The nobody, um, no people, no building, no nothing, just a vision, a dream and a burden for the city of Tulsa. And uh, it's been quite the adventure of my life. It's one of the best things we've ever done as a family. And I love, I love our church and I love, I don't know, even in the, even the, the hard things, uh, the hard times and the scary times, it makes you, you know, makes you who you are. And, and I, and I, I love every moment and we finally got our own building almost mm-hmm. three years ago <laughs> and, uh, storefronts for, for all that time. It makes you really appreciate when you do finally get your own building. There's so many things, you know, you know what though, Jessica, I look back and I, I do miss, miss some of the storage front days, you know, there's yeah. moments there that even after we got the building, I would drive back to the storefront sometimes and just sit in the parking lot and remember, you yeah. know, all the things that happened there, we baptized Preston, we baptized Landon, we baptized, well, actually baptized Jude in our new building, but I baptized my daddy. Mm-hmm. My cousins were healed there. Uh, and we're baptized and got the Holy Ghost. You know, my family, my uncle was baptized in storefront. So, so many memories there, you know? Yeah. And such a bonding experience for yeah. a small church to be like physically so close together like that. And yes, yes. It's just a different, it's a different experience. The church today in our own building is wonderful, but it's a different experience. So I can see it is being joyful and being missing it as well. Yes. There's a time where we all fit at one restaurant, you know, after service, we all, we all go to the same restaurant because we could fit. (laughs) And, you know, we were talking about the other day, those were some good times and we've grown. And even when we got in the new building, I know it was hard on some of them. It's such a big sanctuary. They were like, was so-and-so there today? I didn't see them. You know, so you kind of go through, you know, that like, oh my goodness at first, but it's been great. It's been, you know, God is all about seasons. Yeah. So it's been a great season. Yeah. I like that. I'm laughing at the idea of you being afraid to go up and play and sing in front of everyone. (laughs) I'm laughing at it because I can see, like, I know how far you've come and like that you're the worship leader and, and you don't seem like it scares you at all anymore. But it's so funny because I have a very similar experience whenever I started taking American Sign Language classes. I was so shy and so backward and didn't want to be up in front of the room and God led me into a field where I stand in front and wave my arms around and make faces and 
all that fun stuff. And one of my teachers, one of my early teachers told me, she was like, I didn't think you were going to make it. My only goal for you for the whole class was to get you to stop looking down at the floor. <laughs> oh my word. I get it. Like, yeah, come on. we've come a long way, baby. We have. When, when, God, <laughs> when God opens the doors for you to do things, like he equips you to do it. He does. I had somebody just recently asked me at store conference last week, they said, you're not scared of anything, are you? <laughs> and I was like, hold on, wait a minute. I am. I am scared of a lot of things. It's just that you. Know, sometimes it's like that little saying, I know that I know that I know that I know. And I know I get my affirmation from the word of God, from God. So some things like I'm not scared of at all when it comes to that, you know, but like, mm-hmm. yes. I mean, I, every time I walk up to the pulpit, I'm so nervous. I'm sick, you know, at my stomach. I'm like, okay, God, are you, you're showing up, right? I'm not here by myself, right? Like you're here. Like you're not going to leave me alone, right? <laughs> you know, I, I always have that. You wouldn't even believe I was just scared to play the piano. I was scared to do all that stuff. I, I guess late bloomer. I don't even know if that's the right word, but like, I'm just, I'm not the, the same girl that I was, you know? Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's fantastic. I love, I, I really, really love that. That's, that's really great. I think it gives encouragement to people that are feeling anxious in whatever they're trying to start doing. Just keep going. Mm-hmm. You'll get better. Like that song, you know, he saw not what I was. Mm. He saw what I could be. I'm like, that, that is, that was just like totally written for me. I mean, I thank God. And I don't feel like I've arrived. I don't know if I ever I hope I never, ever feel that way. I've heard people say that, my God, you know, Jesus, please help us never to feel like we've arrived. Um, But I really feel like, you know, he saw not what I was. He saw what I could be, you know, through him in Christ, you know, what I could be because I was just country girl. I loved God. I had a calling on my life. I remember at nine years old Mm. and didn't know what to do with it. Um, I really don't think my pastor knew what to do with it either. (laughs) He was kind of like, probably need to wait a couple of years. You know, I was just devastated anyways, but I'm, I'm thankful for, for the, the road, the path that led us to where we are and led us to you guys as well. Yeah. He, he works it all out. Yeah, he does. And he does a better job than we could ever imagine. So <laughs> he sure does. <laughs> well, we set up this call to have this conversation and record it because you had a burden on your heart that you wanted to share. And I felt like it was perfectly in line with what we do here on the podcast and an important, timely word for someone, probably lots of people actually, through the course of so much stress and so much change in the past several years, but especially the last year and a half. It's just been a lot for a lot of people. Yes, it has. And so today, what what we're going to talk about is the subject of loneliness. And so... I was listening today to a podcast where they're talking about the internet and the future of the internet and, you know, all these things that are just seem so far-fetched, but the technology that we have today seemed far-fetched when I was a kid. So um, who knows where it's going, but it seems like we're more technologically connected than we've ever been, but loneliness seems like it's at an all-time high. Yeah. So I would like to hear you talk about that for a little bit. You're a pastor's wife. What has put this burden on your heart for people to talk about loneliness and how do you see that impacting people? You know, we say that we're, we're connected, you know, we have 24 seven, you know, somebody can get a hold of us. Right. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. we're connected we're more connected than we've ever been. I remember having to stop at a payphone to tell mom and dad that I made it halfway to college. <laughs> 
that seems so strange to me, you know, having, having a, a son in college, like I, I want to be able to call and check on him. Yeah. It's strange uh, when I think about those days, but we say that we're connected. We have email, we have, everybody knows we're supposed to be connected, but yet it seems like it has made us not connected at all. Like really connected. I'm talking like heart to heart connected because I have walked in the room of groups of young people and they're all sitting on a couch, but they're on their phones, you know? <laughs> and it's like, you know, your person's right in front of you. Can you see me? I think, I think that's a cry of, I think that's a cry of not just a woman of a pastor's wife, but I think everyone's like, can you see me? People want to be seen, you know, yeah. people want to be seen and people want to be heard and people want to feel like they belong. And if you, if they feel like they belong and they're being heard, then they'll be vulnerable and open up, you know, themselves to that relationship. And so I think technology has definitely been a disconnect. People will say things, do things behind a screen. They would never do, you know, yeah, like face to face, which, you know, which that comes with social media. Um, you can have somebody, you know, that posts a lot of things, but then they don't, they, they may be more like quiet in person or, you know, or whatever, right. because they can hide behind certain, certain things. However, I can only talk personally, you know, yeah about how I feel about it and about how I've dealt with it and what I've done to stay healthy is I'm not on social media. I think it's been about a year now that I got off Instagram. Social media is like, I call it fake media (laughs) because it's, it's, it's kind of what you want people to see. Right. And you only will share part of your story. And I think that makes people feel disconnected because I mean, me as a, as a woman, you know, a million thoughts are, you know, tracing through my mind when I'm scrolling when I'm scrolling on there, I'm thinking, oh, I've never been there. Oh, I wish I could go there. Oh, I don't have the money for that. Oh, I don't look like that. Or, you know, so there's like my mind's, you know, going through these different thoughts. And so therefore I, I pick up things that I shouldn't even be worried about because of, you know, the way that my emotions are going and looking at this and that. And so you don't want to open up to somebody that you feel like, you know, wouldn't understand because they have more money or they're prettier or they're younger or they're, you know, they're smarter or they have, you know what I mean? And so that's a disconnect. People don't feel safe, Mm. you know, to, to open up if they don't feel like they're relating. And then I think that's where the disconnect is like, my life doesn't look like theirs. Mm -hmm. So I I can't relate to them or I don't feel close to whatever to open up or whatnot. And so I think that's where the disconnect is a lot um, for social media, for technology. We're busy. I'm not a gamer. I don't know if you are. You a gamer? No, I can't even play Candy Crush. I don't even know. I don't guess I understand it. <laughs> I'm like it takes too much mental space. I mean, by the time that I've done all the things I've done during the day, the last thing I want to do is try to play a game. Like I don't know. I'm like I'm too tired, and so I'm not. I'm not a gamer. But I know a lot of people sit down and they relax. They're in the same room, but they're all on different devices. And I think we just got to be smart, and you know, not too far left, not too far right. Just kind of find that. Yeah, you know that place of um, make, make sure that we're connecting with one another. It makes people lonely, but I keep coming back to the same statement. There's a disconnect yeah. because I'm not going to open up my feelings to you if I don't feel like you're listening or if your posts are not. If I don't feel like you can get me or I don't right. feel safe around you, know, safe around you or whatever. And so I think for pastors' wives too, I think that. You look at other pastors' wives, and I hate this so bad, but I'm sure that I know that I did it in my younger years. You're looking for examples, you know? You're looking 
to how to be. You're looking to find someone you connect. You're looking for your people. You're looking for your tribe. You know, you're looking for your circle of friends. And I think it causes a lot of loneliness sometimes. You feel like people don't get you. Yeah. You know, because you, I tend to to shut down if I'm not relating to their, you know, whatever. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's a lot of social media stuff that's out there going on that that's more what people see than actually talk to you. Right. Yeah. You know, have you ever had that before? Like, you know, somebody and what they're posting, it doesn't match kind of what's going on in their life. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I don't, I don't like that because I need people to meet me where I'm at. And I want to meet people where they're at. And I want to, it's not like I got to be in everybody's business or whatever, but I want to be in your life. Yeah. Like I want to be a part of your life to help you get to heaven, to help your family get to heaven. And I want to meet you where you're at. And same thing back. You want, you know, you want that relationship to come back. So I don't know if I've gone around the question, (laughs) if I need to come back, but I think people get lonely because of that. Yeah, they do. So I wonder sometimes if people even realize that what they're experiencing is loneliness. I don't know. Let me put it this way. I've experienced loneliness before and I have went to my prayer closet and I have realized there's a song, I Miss My Time With You. Uh I don't know if you've heard that song. And it's about the Lord missing his time with us. Sometimes I think we are experiencing loneliness And it is a call to come and sit at his feet. Mm. And I think we need to be very careful and maybe real take a moment and go into your prayer closet and figure out, okay, have I been missing my time with him? Is this loneliness that I'm feeling? Is it because I need to draw closer to him? Or I haven't surrounded myself with individuals that are like-minded. I mean, every woman gets lonely, right? Like I'll be going to the store sometimes and I I have close friends. I have a circle and I'll I'll say, Man, I wish so-and-so was here in my car and we would go get a <laughs> a Coke, you know, back when I drank Coke. Now I'm not drinking Coke, sparkling water, <laughs> you know, or, mm-hmm. and I just think it's, we, we need to be aware of like kind of where we're at in our seasons of life. Because I know in the book of Psalms, David was like, oh, he was up and down, up and down because he was going through these things. He was saying, you know, why art thou cast down on my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? So he's like, oh, why am I? And it says, hope thou in God. So I think that we just have to be aware of what season that we're in because it also talks, he also talks about make me hear joy and gladness, you know, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. So that's how I know that he allows me to go through seasons of loneliness, um, rejection and those types of things because he's wanting to pull me closer to him there's seasons, and I just think we need to be aware. But I don't think people probably do realize that they're lonely at times. Yeah. They think maybe that's it's something else, or that's why I think it's important to, to kind of know where you're at in your season of life, because God's about seasons. Yeah. I remember whenever I first moved to New York right after college, I had gotten a job, and they had offered me a room in their dormitory where I was working. So I was living and working in the same place. And I had been there for a few weeks and um, I started going to a new church, but you know, it's, it was a really large church and it's kind of hard to get connected right away. And I was still trying to figure out, you know, my way around (laughs) and um, a crazy, uh, much more crowded area than I'd ever been before. But anyway, I remember going out for dinner on a Sunday with some people from the church and it wasn't even like other young people. It was the pastor and his wife and then another older couple that I knew in the church. And 
I just remember sitting at the table and we just started telling church stories and like laughing and talking. And I remember thinking like, oh, wow, mm-hmm. this is who I am. Yeah. Like I am an apostolic. I am a Christian. These are my people. And I have been in like this drought. Not that anybody that I worked with or, you know, in the building where I was living was horrible or anything like that. It's just like you said, like not having people that you mm-hmm. really feel like you connect with. And so it was, it was yeah. very impactful for me to be like, oh, right. Like, this is what I'm used to feeling like, you know, in my home church mm-hmm. or in my church in college, or this is what it's, I, I remember now what it was like to have people. And so yeah. sometimes you think, I think you don't realize it until you get back into a, a situation where you can be reminded mm-hmm. of how important it is to stay connected to the body of Christ, essentially. Yes, because we're all members. Yeah. You know, it's so important. I, I just think that, you know, back to the technology, it's created, you know, to connect you, but it's disconnecting because we're we're replacing it. Yeah. You know, with these apps and stuff, and you're seeing just whatever people want you to see, and it's taking the replace of a real relationship. And I think it's hurtful. It hurts a lot of, you know, relationships, a lot of family. When I got off social media, Um, last year, you know, I went through a period of, I felt like, man, man, I don't know anything that's going on. Yeah. And I realized that's, that's a bad deal because it's taken the place of a phone call. It takes the place of even a text message, you know, it's taken the place of that because you can see the pictures or whatever. Right. But it, it can't take the place. It's not a real relationship. It's not, it's not going out and, you know, spending time you know, or spending time praying together or spending time, you know, with a coffee or going over someone's house to love on them. It just can't take, the technology can't take that place. Yeah, for sure. Real relationship. And I think that's kind of where everybody's at. I mean, even in, I mean, even right now, you know, after all the stuff we've gone through last year and this year, I know we've used the internet, thank God for it. There's that piece missing, the body's missing coming together, you know? Yeah. The body's missing. One of the things I missed was hearing the elders pray. Yeah. You know, and then we started these, these Zoom prayer meetings and they were lifelines. And I'm thinking, I've never sat down on the porch and I'm like, God, are you sure you can move through a Zoom prayer meeting? (laughs) Like, do you think you can do this? And then we had a tongues interpretation that day. And I'm like, oh, you mean you can use this Zoom, you know, you can still speak to your people. And it was just, you know, it became like a lifeline for so many people. You know, like when we would go to pray, I'm like, don't mute it. Because I I can hear myself praying every day, but I need to hear the body praying. You know, there's something about coming together and hearing each other. And it's more than just like looking at a picture and pressing a heart. Yeah. You know, or a, I don't even know what they have now. Maybe they got a thumbs down. <laughs> I don't know, you know, or or whatnot. Yeah, I think it's, it's again, it's about, it's not necessarily like the technology is good or bad. It's about if you're making those real connections and if you're actually yeah. being vulnerable and allowing yourself to be real. Yeah. And it's hard to be the first person to step out and be real when it feels like no one else is or it feels superficial. It's a very scary it is prospect. But I think that mm-hmm. once you, once one person does it, it opens the door for other people to feel like they have permission. Mm-hmm. And that's how you find those real connections. Right. It's true. And it's, it's about 
boundaries um, for me personally, I'm like, you know what? I'm healthier without it. And that yeah. might not be for everybody else. I don't judge nobody. Like I'm, I got to do what's best for Raina. I got to save my energy. Yeah. You know, for my family, for my church family, you know, I have to save, you know, what I, what I have, my energy, my emotions, I got to save that. And I can't just use it all in one place. So I think we got to create boundaries of saying, okay, others may, but I may not. Yeah. And that's hard because I do love people and I love being in their business and I love the <laughs> photos and I, you know, I'm a foodie. I love to see food and I love to, you know, I love, I love all of it and I do, but for me to be the best pastor's wife, for me to be the best, well, first of all, wife, you know, mom and all these things in pastor's wife, right? I have to create boundaries of what I've got to shield my heart and my mind and to be healthy. And I get affirmation through his word. So that when I get that, then I'm like, I'm going to step out and do things and say things that I would never do because you're, like you said, you're scared. Yeah. And I've been a couple of times people have been praying for me here lately. It's like, hey, you're going to walk in this. You're not going to be scared anymore. You're not going to be fearful because I did realize I want, you know, ultimately, Jessica, we want people to love us. Yeah. <laughs> we want to be loved. Of course. We want to be- belong. And if, you know, like there's always that, like, what if I say that? Or what if I say that and I, and I put myself out there and nobody loves me? You know, what if they don't love me after I say that? Yeah. Like, that's huge. And you know what? Maybe I'm the only one. That struggles with that. <laughs> I you don't know? think so. <laughs> okay. So it's like, I don't think you okay. are. <sighs> uh, you know, I want to be loved and I want to be liked. And, but more than anything, I got to do the will of God. I have to do what I'm called to do. I have to step out in faith because I get, you know, like I said, I think I've probably said it four times now, but his word is where I get my affirmation from. And so it's like, I've got to step out and do this thing because when I came to you and I said, you know, I know you have this podcast and know you, I know you've asked me to be on it, but I'm hiding because... <laughs> You know, I feel like nobody wants to hear what I have to say, but it's like through that, through his word, it's, you know, I have a voice. I do have a voice and it's my choice, to, you know, to use it for to maybe help just one person. Yeah. You know, just one person. And I'm like, I got to step out on faith and do this and not hide behind. Nobody wants to hear what I have to say. Yeah. Because if I could help somebody with something personal, you know, that I've gone through or whatever, maybe yeah. my perspective of it an old woman's perspective. I think I'm 42, I'm 42 and I'm old now. Nobody, nobody cares. <laughs> well, but I think it's good. And I think what you said about managing your time and energy, like we all have a limited amount of time and energy. And if we're investing it or not even investing it, if we're using it up in superficial relationships either in person or online, then that's time that we don't have left to invest in real authentic relationships. And so if we yeah. can balance it and we can, and we have healthy and great authentic relationships and we can do that and still, you know, maintain a healthy relationship with social media, then fine. But we have to prioritize, like it, we need to be prioritizing. Yeah. The thing that's actually going to give us life and encouragement and strength and help yeah. us to battle this epidemic of loneliness. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And feel like you're the only one that is experiencing it. Like, you know, you're not the only one. Yeah. We have these feelings and they're very real. And I mean, I, even after I had COVID, I thought I was the only one that couldn't <laughs> smell and couldn't taste for, I, I still don't, can't do it right. But then it's like, once you start talking to people or you read, I'm a reader, I study all the time. I don't have any medical license at all, but I love to read all about it. 
and I love to gain as much knowledge as I can on it because I find it so interesting. Then I'm like, oh my goodness, they 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 can't smell either. And it's been, you know, and I'm like, I smell rotten trash. <laughs> like, does anybody else smell that? Like, is anybody else struggling over here to I you know, I mentioned earlier, I can't drink pop anymore because it's it tastes like Lysol or something, yes, and chemicals. Me too. And it's like see? Yes. And I was thinking, I'm probably the only one. Like Yep. I got damaged. I'm damaged goods. <laughs> and I'm just damaged over here by myself and I can't even drink a Coke anymore. Yeah. <laughs> See, I feel better knowing that, you know, misery loves company. That's right. So I'm so glad that you can't drink pop either anymore. <laughs> well, I don't know if this is helpful or not. I discovered that I can't drink Coke and I can't drink Pepsi, but I can drink Dr. Pepper, which really? I almost wish I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> does it taste like Dr. Pepper it did? Like, like it what, does. Well, it does have, have that, that weird chemical taste that I get out of Coke and Pepsi. It's very strange. Well, huh, I wonder what they're putting in differently. See, uh, I don't know. We did have COVID at the same time, so mm-hmm. maybe we got we have you know are going to have the same, same strain or something. Yeah, that's <laughs> yes. so funny. <laughs> yes, seems great. That's I already great. feel See, better. We we connected there and we figured something out. Yes, it's about connection. Well, we wanted to talk specifically about loneliness amongst ministers and their spouses because it seems that there has been um, and is probably an ongoing issue. And so I'm going to let you just kind of talk about it. You're a pastor's wife. You can talk about your own experience, what you've seen, what you've heard from other people, and kind of why do you think that this is happening specifically among people in the ministry? Well, just from my own experience of being in the ministry since I was 20, 20 years old, had the Holy Ghost since I was six. Darren and I got married um, when we were 20 and we began, you know, ministering together. I've been leading worship since I was 14. You're always looking for, you know, someone to train me or help me or invest in me. Mm-hmm. I think in the past, pastors are supposed to, you know, have it all together. Mm-hmm and have all the answers. I think there's the pressure of that, that you don't want to reach out and maybe ask another pastor or, you know, even, even, you know, even a ministerial friend or whatever. There's that pressure of having it all together, having all, like I said, of having all the answers or, you know, you don't want to be that one that doesn't have it all together. Yeah. (laughs) And so in my twenties, you know, I was just really looking like, okay, I for real don't have it all together. I remember going to like conferences and stuff and I'd be looking around the room and trying to find that one person. I'm like, <laughs> surely there's one other pastor's wife in here that, that doesn't have it all together. You know, Yeah. I knew how to dress and knew how to put the outfits together. And, you know, I, I, I had that, you know, yeah. like I, I could see that because I'm a visual learner because back in the day it was like, Hey, you come up here and you lead worship, <laughs> you know, that's what you just, you just did it. You learn by watching an example. And, um, I could see visually all that, but I, I was looking more, I was beyond, I wanted to see inside their hearts. I wanted to, to know if they were struggling. I wanted to know if they felt lonely. I wanted to know if they you know, second guess themselves sometimes. I want to know if, 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 you know, what their calling was, yes, their husband was a minister or a pastor, but what were they, what did they feel, you know, mm. what did they feel drawn to? And so I think that the loneliness comes because you, you're afraid to reach out. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You're afraid that you might be different or you might, you know, you're not cookie cutter. I will say when um, we first started the church, I remember having that moment of looking around and thinking, 
and all these pastors' wives are like, you know, you know, that grew up with all the, they're, they're like superstars, right? And you have like those superstar people and like you look up to your whole life. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking, oh, I'm not like them. Oh, no, I'm not like them. Oh, man, I'm really not like them. You know, I started, started having that, that moment of, oh, my goodness, I don't think I can do this. Mm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I think it's just, you know, we put them up on a pedestal or we or whatever, and you just don't want to reach out. And, and you know what? And that other pastor's wife is probably like, man, I wish you'd talk to me. Listen, yeah. I do have a funny story on this. Like, I have humor because humor has gotten me through, let me tell you, a lot of tears. <laughs> but I have a really close friend. I'm not going to say any names on here because, you know, how it is. Um, so, um, but we had wanted to be each other's friend. And she pastored in a neighboring town. We weren't pastoring yet, but we were youth pastoring. And she'd always wanted to be my friend. And she was like, I'll be getting dressed and I'll be thinking, how am I going to dress nice? Because what if I see Raina in the store today when I go get groceries or whatever? <laughs> it was funny because I'd be like, man, what if I see her at the store? You know, like, that'd be cool or whatever. And we eventually became friends and then we exchanged stories. And yeah. we both wanted to be each other's friend. Isn't this not crazy? And so I think, I wish I would have reached out sooner. We're still yeah. friends to this day. I mean, we just talked last week. But we wanted to be each other's friend, but we thought each other had it together. Like we thought each other was perfect. Yeah. Is it, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? It does. So I've had two experiences. We've moved around a lot. And so I've had two different experiences where I've moved to a new place and kind of had people who reached out to me kind of immediately and got kind of connected with people. And then over time, you just realize like, I love you and, you know, we're all going to go to heaven together, but you're, you're not my people. Yeah. Yeah. We don't jive, like we, we don't have the same like sense of humor. I don't feel like I can be open and honest with you. Like there's just something here that's not quite clicking. And mm-hmm. on both of those occasions, I had to look around and find other people that I felt like I would connect with better. Yeah. And even though I am not an extrovert and I am not outgoing really at all, on two different occasions, I kind of just like, found somebody and decided you're going to be my friend because <laughs> I, yeah. I need to be friends with you. <laughs> and um, in both of those situations, it worked out really well. And it was another kind of one of those things where we talk about it later and said, oh, you know, I just wasn't sure. You yeah. know, I, th- I thought you already had en- enough friends or I thought that mm-hmm. there was some reason why you wouldn't want to be my friend. And so it just really, yeah. it's really impactful to think that like all it takes is one person reaching out. And it might not work out. No, and I've also learned through the years that not everybody's supposed to sit at my table. Yeah. And I'm not supposed to sit at everybody's table. And I have to realize that. And not everybody wants to be my friend. And that's okay. I think I was 24 years old before I realized not everybody liked me. And it was a really bad day. Mm. And (laughs) my husband kindly was like, hey, she doesn't like you. She doesn't want to be your friend. And I'm like, what? I will make her like me. You know, like, why would she not like me? Yeah. And it was just a bad day. And I remember I was 24. I don't know why I do, but probably because I just were like, man, I'm not everybody's favorite. And, and not everybody's my favorite, but I have realized over the years that there, I'm not supposed to be sitting at everybody's table and you've got to be very selective Yeah, and God will put you in the right paths of the right people that you're supposed to be connected to for life. Yep. And that's your circle, you know, that's your, your people and, and it's okay. Yeah. Um, you're not going to be close to everybody. You're not supposed to be 
and the Lord has a plan and he puts us in the paths of the people that we're supposed to be with. And it's one of the prayers I pray for, you know, my kids, put them in the, the paths of righteousness, but put them in the paths of the right people, you know, whatever their calling is, like when Preston's in college, I'm like, Jesus, help him, you know, meet the right people, the right uh, missionary, you know, whatever. Right. He's supposed to be connected to because I think it's vitally important to realize, man, they're not supposed to be sitting at my table and that's God's business. And it's not our business to figure out. And I think that helps with the loneliness sometimes for me, since I want to be involved in people's lives and I want to be their prayer partner or whatever. I want to pray for them, I want to be involved. And it's like, that's all right. You know, you've got to, to realize you can't be everybody's, you know. Yeah. Bestie. Yeah. yeah. Again, like that limited time, limited energy. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. sometimes, you know, you have to have the boundaries and say, yes, okay. I can love you with all my heart and I can mm-hmm. want the best for you and I can pray for you and, you know, we can go to church together yes. or we can go to heaven Absolutely. together and it's all going to be yes. fine, but we don't have to necessarily be together best friends all the time. Yeah. I think that's just a maturity thing. Like, and it's, and it's hard, but mm-hmm. it's, I think it's important to figure out. Yes. So going back to talking about the loneliness, I mean, I know that you were talking about keeping things a little bit lighthearted, but there is a a very dark side to it when we let it go. Mm -hmm. And we've seen both of us in our own personal lives and families and in our wider circles, some of the consequences that happen when people have struggles and they don't feel comfortable opening up to someone. I guess maybe just, just talk about that a little bit and maybe speak to somebody that's feeling that way as they're listening right. to this podcast? You know, for me personally, I love, okay, probably not always, but I love to talk about how I'm feeling because it makes me feel better. Mm-hmm. And I am a big firm believer that if you get two to three confidants in your life, that's just amazing because those are people, they're your ride or die, right? They mm-hmm. are, you can come to them at any moment and give them the real you. It's a judgment-free zone, you know, at all times. And it's a safe place at all times. And I believe in, well, in the, in the word of God, it says in the multitude of counsel, there's safety. Mm. You gotta, you know, have mentors in your life too, that you can be raw with. You have to have, I, I didn't have that for a long time, Jessica. I didn't have it. I don't feel like I had it in my twenties, a safe place really per se. My husband has been a, a lifesaver. Of course, my Lord and my Savior. And we, you have family, but I needed, I feel like I needed, you know, mentors. I needed somebody that would tell me that I'm not losing my mind. You know, you got to yeah. have that in your life. And whatever means that you have to go through to get that, I mean, you got to get that. I know the, the UPCI offers points of refuge and you can go on there, you know, at any time and have somebody call you back. If you don't have the strength to make the phone call, all you have to do is put your phone number in there and they'll call you back or your email or whatever. It's so important that that you realize that everybody is going through something and that you're not alone. And th- the word of God says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I go before you. And we know what the word says, but sometimes we have to combat those lies, you know, that we're hearing in our mind. And I have to do this to myself. I have to say, I write down the lie and then I combat it with truth. You know, because I know that I'm not alone. I know he says, if I make my bed in hell, he's going to be there. If I do it in the uttermost part of the sea or whatever, he's going to be there. 
So I have to realize I have to write down the line this way. I don't know if this will help somebody. And then I combat it with the truth. The truth is this. I'm not forsaken. I am loved. I do have a purpose. I have a purpose. I am called of God. And I don't know why he's allowing this brokenness, but there is beauty in this. In this, There's going to be beauty in this brokenness. I'm going to get two to three friends. I completely can lay it out there and it won't go anywhere else. And you got to have that. Like I'm, I'm a firm believer. If you don't have that, it's a priority to me. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's it a does. priority to find those two to three people that know the real you. You know, when you're having that day where you're screaming and you're pulling your hair out and you're doing the ugly cry, you can go to that place and you you might be fine in four or five hours the next day or whatever, but you don't even have to worry about what you look like, what you sounded like. You have to have those people. And I'm just a firm believer of my husband, um, of the way he treats me, the way he honors me, the way he talks to me, the way he helps me so much. But he also just it's like, babe, you need to do this and you need to get out or you need to call so-and-so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you realize that, you know what I mean? Yep. This is what you need to do. And it's okay to have like, you know what? I'll never forget. I'm just going to just throw it out there because I'm going I'm to make myself vulnerable because I keep talking about it. We lost our home the day of closing. This is years ago. And we were purchasing a house and we lost it on the day of closing. Mm. We were homeless. <laughs> I was homeless, Jessica. (laughs) Homeless. A child of God was homeless. Mm. I had given everything I knew to God and I was homeless and I was having a bad day. Okay. Yeah. They had already rented out our house that we were living in. And so we literally were homeless. Like, I'm not making this up. I'm not exaggerating. You know, like I'm not being extra right now. (laughs) And I'll never forget. I was sitting in my car and Janice Sostrand called me and she said, and this is not going to be verbatim, but this is what she said. She said, I'm going to thank God for taking that house from you. And I'm thinking, she's lost her mind. <laughs> she's lost her mind. That's not a good friend. <laughs> I'm going to thank God right now for taking that house from you because I'm, there is something that is so magnificent on the other side that he has saved you from. And I'm the Lord told her to call me, you know, and all this. She's telling me, I'm going to thank God for you. And whenever you can join in or if you can join in, Go ahead and you join in. And I'm like, I'm sitting on the phone like, I'm not joining in. I'm not thanking God for taking my house. I'm homeless. And it was probably like two minutes or three minutes before she had called me. My mother-in-law texted me and she said, she sent me the scripture. Blessed is the man that's, that's not offended in me. Oh, you know, and I'm thinking, well, I don't, why would I need that scripture right now? But I realized, I realized what was happening. See, I was upset with the Lord. I had told him I'd done all these good things and I've done all these great things and I've been faithful and I did all this stuff, you know, and I was giving him this and this is the number one. You know, first of all, if I come to you with the number one, number two, number three, you better run because (laughs) I've already thought it out and I'm about to blow your house down, you know? And I was giving him all this stuff and this was all happening so fast. And I'm telling you, probably about one or two minutes into this, she's praising God (laughs) for taking my house. And I'm like, I completely broke and the spirit of the Lord hit that car. I was blaming him. See what I'm saying? I was blaming yeah. him. I had to forgive him. I, I need, I needed to rejoice. I needed, there was, I needed to do this. I needed to get over this. This could turn into bitterness and all this stuff And the Lord, you know, he sent people my way. So this is why it's so important. And I'm look, I mean, I know, I, I know a lot of people might not know the story, but anyways, we did end up, we ended up renting, but end up buying our miracle home. Now it's probably been seven years 
or eight years. And that home, we've remodeled it and all this stuff. I want people, I want people to hear the rest of the story. And we were able to sell it and made such a profit. We Bear was able to build me a house. See what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So there was something so magnificent. And we wouldn't even have been able to stay in that neighborhood. It didn't even have a yard for the kids. I think I'm just, you know, you think you know what you want yeah. and you don't know what you want. But anyways, what I'm saying is at that moment, that safe place, that mentor, you know, those loved ones, they helped save my life. Yeah. Like going down a path of bitterness, rejection, because we all know what wounds can do. It can derail you. And so that's why it's so vitally important. I feel you have to have a safe place. And if I can help anybody that's listening to this, get a safe place to have people, I'm available. Yeah to help. And so hopefully that's not too preachy for a podcast, but I mean, it's like, you know what I mean? It's vitally important to have the circle. It really is. And it's important. I mean, I can speak from recent experience. It's important that if someone that's close to you tells you, you need to call somebody or you need, you need this yeah, to listen to them. Because a lot of times when we're in those really dark places, we don't even realize what's going on fully. No, we're not ourselves. We're not thinking straight. We're not in the right mind. We don't no, have the right filter. Right we don't mind. have the right frame of mind. And it's like, you got to have somebody knock sense into you. And if you've got to have somebody that love you enough yep. to thank God for taking something from you. And you're <laughs> like, are you serious right now? Yep. You know, and she saved my heart, yeah. you know, and it was there. It's just, you got to get it. And what we're here to help. Yeah. However we can. Yep. So I want to hit on this real quick um, before we wrap up, because we're talking about finding people we can trust and finding a safe place to talk about things. And how do you determine, because these kinds of things being this vulnerable and open about, you know, really serious stuff that doesn't normally happen in like a first conversation. No. So it takes a little bit of time. How have you gone about determining that somebody was a safe person whenever you kind of are in those initial conversations with them? I listen and learn. I observe (laughs) and I do feel like I trust pretty easily and it's probably a fault. My husband says it's like, (laughs) he says like, it's a blessing because I like, I'll just trust and then, or I don't remember that. I don't remember details very well. And he's like, man, it's a blessing. I'm like, no, it's a curse because like, you're going to come back for more. (laughs) You know, if somebody does something to you, I'm like, I can't remember remember why I'm mad at him. You know what I mean? (laughs) I don't know. He says it's a blessing and I think it's probably not, but... (laughs) I listen, and if they repeat personal information in front of me about mm, somebody else, mm. I just listen to their conversation. And that's with picking a safe place or a person. You know, so people are going to disappoint you. Don't get derailed yeah. by that because people are people, they're going to make mistakes. I'm pretty sure that I've accidentally repeated something I wasn't supposed to sometimes. I mean, you don't do it on purpose. People are. You got to know if they're being malicious or not. And I just right. think if you listen, observe, and it, the Bible says to try the spirit, you know, yeah. try their fruits. I'm not going to pick a person who doesn't pray. Okay. Yeah. Like you got to know, like, I mean, if they're praying and, you know, I'm not going to put a time limit on it because a prayer life is different than a life of prayer. So I'm not going to pick a person that doesn't have a life of prayer. Cause to me, that's not safe because I need my name to be safe in your mouth, mm. you know, and I need you to be praying to God for me, for my family, for my kids or whatever. And so I think just stop. Do you remember in school when they were teaching us not to die from the railroad tracks and they had like this thing called like, stop, look, listen and live. Do you remember that? Yes. So just like stop, 
book, listen and live, you know, like listen to people, listen to their conversation. I'm not saying go out there and be like an FBI agent, <laughs> but I'm very particular. Like I'm an open person anyway, because I don't feel like I have anything to hide, but I'm probably not going to tell you like a, an intimate part of my life if I don't trust you. Like you'll just know what everybody else knows. Does that make sense? Yeah. Sure. It's going to be like that. You, you pray about it, first of all, because God leads and guides you to different people. You'll feel drawn by their spirit, the spirit. And so I've met people before, like church planters, with the, just to have that spirit, even that same spirit about them, you know, um, at these apostolic conferences or whatever. And I'm like, I think I've known you my whole life. Like yeah. you have those. I just met a girl the other day. I'm like, I think I've known you my whole life. And I don't, I, I didn't. But like, you just have that common unity. Yeah. And so I go with my gut. We just took this assessment, man. We just been in Kingdom Labs last week and we took this assessment and it's like, do you usually like think about it and read all this information and blah, blah, blah? Or do you go with your gut? I'm like, go with my gut. (laughs) It depends. You know, I do read a lot and I study like whatever, but like when it comes to some things, sometimes I feel something. You probably see me go to my husband at church and I'm like... I feel this and this and this and this and this and this, and I don't know how to explain it, but I just feel it. You know, like sometimes yeah. I don't have the words, but go with, go with that, you know, with how you feel. And women tend to know, you know, the, the whole trusting thing. What is it called? Women's intuition. Yep. So I don't know if that helps somebody or ask people, ask leadership. Yeah. Ask people, hey, I'm going to confide in so-and-so, you know, is she safe? Do you feel like she's safe? Yeah. Uh, seek wisdom, think counsel, ask questions, you know? Yeah. So hopefully that helps. Yeah. I think that's really good. I think another thing that I've been guilty of in the past is waiting, waiting too long. Mm -hmm. And then I just spill things out to the first person that I can get to listen to me. Mm -hmm. Because we want to be heard. Yeah. Because it just, I just have to get it out. And that has come back to bite me before. Yeah. Where the person that I spilled my guts to was not safe. Right. That doesn't have to happen very many times before you start realizing, okay, I need to use a little bit more discernment and wisdom and yeah, figure people out before I start sharing things with them. So yeah, exactly right. I think these have all been really, really good. I think that there are so many people that are looking for someone, they're looking for a friend, they're looking for someone to confide in. And one of the best ways to find a friend is to be a friend. Yeah. So all of these things that advice that we've been giving people, if you're not currently looking for someone to confide in, are these things that you're practicing that would make you safe for somebody to confide in you? Right. Because you never know when the tables are going to turn and you're going to need somebody too. So, yeah, we do. We do need each other and we do. We just, it's easier, you know, when you have somebody that you can just, sometimes you just want to be heard like we were talking about. You know, you just want to know that somebody's there with you. You know, like I'm going to, I'm going to come sit in this pit with you when I'm going to sit here with you. I can't stay, yeah. you know, but I'm going to sit here as long as you need me to. And everybody needs, they need that. They need that. I've been blessed in my life to have a lot of uh, wonderful people in my life. And I'm thankful for that. And I, I feel like that's why I'm, you know, as healthy as I am. And I go through, you know, we go through a lot. Of, you go through a lot of things and you're able to help people later. Yeah. But it's just not having those bad days, those lonely days, those down days. It's having the day like that, but not having days and weeks, yeah, you know, and months like that. As you know, we, what we want people to to realize is that none of us are perfect, and 
we don't have it all together. And I just want to shout that from the mountaintops. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> we're trying to build Jesus's kingdom and, you know, and we do need one another's help and love and support. Yeah. We're not comparing ourselves to one another. Um, we're not in competition with one another. I just, you know, I'm here to try to help people and be there for them. Yeah, for so. sure. Well, I think we're about out of time. Yes. But our final question of the show is always the same. I like to ask every guest, what is a good question that you are asking yourself lately? Well, I think I've taken up most of the time here on the podcast, but <laughs> this might be silly. This question might be silly to some people, but honestly, I just asked myself the question yesterday. I asked myself this question last week and it's, Raina, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing to build the kingdom? So, you know, what are you doing to build his kingdom? Are you building your kingdom? Are you building his kingdom? And I've just, everything that I've been working on for next year and for whatever I got going on, I've been asking, I've been testing it through that. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, mm. are you doing it for, is it his kingdom? I want to be a kingdom builder and I want to equip people, you know, to be kingdom builders. So everything is just that question. Like you have been called to serve in the last days. Like this last hour, this, these last days, we're appointed, we're called, we're, it's exciting if you think about it. But, you know, I was sitting in the rocking chair yesterday morning and I say, Jesus, are you sure that I'm supposed to be here in this last hour? Because I don't know if I can do this. Like, I feel like I'm losing my mind sometimes. <laughs> and so I'm like, are you sure? Like, we need to talk about it again. Like, are you sure I'm supposed to help somebody in the last days? You know, like, I'm sure I'm called the last hour. What are we doing to build his kingdom? What are we doing to study, to equip people to, to do this last, this harvest that's coming? And so that's the question I've been asking myself. What are you doing, Raina? What are you doing? Like, are you doing what Jesus called you to do? Are you doing what you called yourself to do? You know, are you doing what you want to do? And I think as it just, as me being, as I can be stubborn sometimes. I can be, and I have to constantly come back to that my purpose, my calling through his word, whatever, what are you doing? And, um, maybe I'm the only person that talks to myself and asks myself what I'm doing. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, I can't be the only person, you know, that wants to know what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> you know, what are you doing? You know, are you, are you the best? I want to be the best mom, wife, and you know, whatever. I want it, whatever I'm called to do, I want to do it the best of my ability. So that's just pretty much it. Just what are you doing? Yeah, that's a good one. Good self-reflection question. I like it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, I've appreciated this conversation so much. I have enjoyed it and I know it's going to be a blessing to somebody. I pray so. I appreciate your transparency, vulnerability, and your willingness to dive into something that is a little bit of a difficult topic, but I think that it's so, so needful right now. So absolutely, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Friends, I hope something in that conversation spoke to you. Raina talking about finding your people and your safe place really, really resonated with me. I know personally, it's a terrible place to be when you feel like you're all alone and nobody sees you. 
I was very excited to learn about the points of refuge resource she mentioned. The number for that is 833-835-5767. Or if you want someone to call you, you can go to pointsofrefuge.com and enter your phone number. That website and number will also be listed in the show notes. And please, if you need to talk to someone, please reach out to them. We would love it if you would share this episode with a friend and come find us to tell us your thoughts. We are on Instagram at Good Question Show and I'm at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T, as in Tuesday, A-N-D-E-R-U-P. You can also find us on Facebook by searching Good Question with Jessica Tanderup Podcast or email us at goodquestionshow at gmail.com. And if you'd like to follow along on our missions journey to Denmark, you can do that at Tanderups for Denmark on Instagram. Tanderups with an S, the number four, Denmark. We also have a Facebook page of the same name. This podcast is a production of Good Question Media and is produced and hosted by me, Jessica Tanderup. My co-producer, editor, and the man who loves coffee almost as much as me and his girls is my husband, Dave Tanderup. Our audio engineer is Josh Powalczyk. That's it for this week. We'll be back here January the 4th with the start of a new season. See y'all then.